Welcome to Some Context Please, a podcast from the team at Foundry Creative School. This podcast sets out to draw a line between what our students are learning and what's really happening in the creative industries. Of course, you don't need to be a current Foundry student to enjoy this podcast. Everyone is welcome. My name is Adam Greve, and I'm your host for this season on photography. This is the fourth episode in a season of eight and I'm again joined by industry professional Lizzie Allnut, an Australian freelance photographer. Each episode we pick on things that are being taught in the current curriculum. This edition sees us continuing our conversation from last time, moving on to light quality and directional lighting. An interesting conversation where Lizzie talks about natural versus artificial lighting, techniques she uses to modify light, as well as the properties of light and ways in which these properties can be manipulated for unique results in your shots. The quality of light considers hard lighting, often experienced in conditions like harsh midday sun and spotlighting, where shadows are sharply defined and lighter areas can be easily overexposed. And soft light, where gradients are much softer and definition between light and dark is more gradual. Both can be used to great effect if controlled properly. This is where we enter our conversation. Of course, we introduced Lizzie last episode, so if you haven't caught that one yet, where we were talking about colour, it might be a good idea to listen back to that episode first. So let's jump in. I asked Lizzie about hard and soft lighting and some examples of where these have applied in her experience. As a side note, the audio is a little glitchy here and there due to Zoom catch-ups, but it shouldn't bother you too much. Well, Australia is very, very, very harsh sunlight. If you go out and you get up at four and you travel to a place and you get the sunrise, which you, once you start getting into it, you realise the value of the light at that hour and you will do it. And, you know, you'll start adding to your kit and getting a tripod so you can get low light and whatnot. But the sun's coming up on a horizon, so it's like sort of in line with your face. And just pre-dawn is what we call magic hour. You've heard of you've heard of the golden hour. Yeah. And there's just this beautiful, it's no one can look bad in that light, you know. But then it comes up over the horizon. It's really harsh in comparison. So, you 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 know, you've gotten up at four, you're bleary-eyed for, you know, under a minute worth of photography and then it's by mid we say never shoot in the midday sun because you know you just get this sort of down light and panda eyes which is really unflattering but then saying that in a studio environment you you might tilt the light down because if it's got shadow under the chin that's a bit of a trick is like you 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 lose the, the double chins you know so Oh, God, I don't even know where to begin with the variables of lighting, you know, and that's what practice and problem solving is. But you get like food, for example, you might shoot at backlight and that's how you get that beautiful Donahay, you know, glow. Um, A lot of it's shot with window light. It's just a beautiful, soft, flattering light. A lot of wedding photographers put their um, bride and groom sort of in a tunnel or next to a window because they just look good and who's going to, who wants to look bad on their wedding day, right? So you sort of learn all those tips and tricks like beauty for example very very soft light so their skin looks you don't look at a revlon ad and go oh that's harsh sunlight you know it's all big diffuser boxes on the flashes and whatnot um if you are learning and practicing i would say get get a lantern that's got mm-hmm. diffusion around it because it's you know a paper lantern from chinatown or whatever with a globe in it and you'll see how and just move that lantern around their face and take pictures and you'll be like oh hang on a minute that's that's quite attractive because the rest will drop off to black, you know. Um, go to the, the news agents and get, you know, that cardboard with the gold and silver um, or even get some alfoil and wrap it around, you know, a bit of cardboard and sit somebody in the window or even out in the sun and just bounce that light 
from the window on the other side of their face. Do a test where it's like one side without it and it drops off to black. So you, the light's from the side and then do put the silver foil and, and bounce it onto there. And then you see the other side of their face is lit up softly, but it's still, it's a whole different look and feel. And that's um, how you sort of start practicing with light and controlling light. Mm-hmm. And that's when you, yeah, you, you start to realize that, Oh God, even now I'm still learning truly. Like I, there's, you know, a million light boxes and strip lights and yeah, it's, remember how I said, you know, film, you get used to get the film back and that one didn't yeah. work. I still think it's going to work and then it doesn't work. And then on the spot you're changing it all. And, but it yeah. does get easier. Yeah. It's photography is flat out problem solving with light. There's um, obviously you mentioned, you know, there's uh, down light isn't always a great light to shoot in because, uh, but you can also use it to your advantage in a studio where, you know, it can hide a double chin. Um, and there, there's sort of generally three other types of lighting. There's front lighting, back lighting, and, um, and also side lighting. Have you got a favorite one that you like, or is it just totally depend upon the subject and what pops into your mind creatively or for the expression? And, you know, is there any type of lighting that lends itself to a, a particular subject? So is side lighting better for portraits or is a front lighting better for portraits? I think if you um, you have an idea, let's say that you are sort of dabbling with photos and you, you start going, you know what, I really like shooting people. And I do because they talk back. Like in, when you're shooting interiors, you can't talk to cushions, although I've tried. Or, you know, <laughs> like you, you, you do go a bit batty, but some people, they just love the controlled studio environment. They love putting a new product in. And that, you know, that's, that's just their way. I'm a, I like to engage with people and whatnot. So let's say with portraits, you're, you're like, I might practice. So Halloween's coming up. So you're like, you know what? I'm going to do some really gory lighting. And so you even getting a torch and putting it under the chin, that's going to make them look like a devil, for example. Mm. If, like I said, somebody's slightly overweight, but you've got to make them, you know, they've got to, people will be, no one likes their photo in you know, even I sort of look at a photo and go, is that what I look like? I hate oh photos God. of myself. You know, we see <laughs> everyone does, myself included. So you've got to come up against that confrontational, nervous kind of like, you know, the pressure of making, because they see them, we see ourselves in the mirror, right, which is a, a reverse view. So when you show someone their portrait, they'll be like, is that what I look like? And everyone around goes, yeah, that's you. Because you don't see yourself the way we all see our, each other, you know. Um, let's say, you know, like I said, the, the top down lighting, but still a bit at the front. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, on their face, but there's a bit of shadow under the, under the brow, nose and chin. That's just a bit more flattering. You might put in a bit of bounce. If it's, if it's a moody shot, you might like let it drop off to black. If it's like a book cover where where it's, um, you know, it's got to be a bit dramatic. So it's, it's, I mean, there are go-tos and it depends on your kit. Like you might have you know, lighting that's quick and easy to use that you just fall back on or, but it is, it is very much about like the brief. So if, or what you want to practice. So if it's about um, trialing, I want to do some really dramatic black and white side lighting, that might be your thing for a while. Like you said about, you like my color. I went through a phase where everything had to be over color and saturated. And now that's changed. Like I'm like, I actually desaturate. But if, you know, so you, yeah. might, you might move somebody around and like if you put lighting behind somebody and let the sun like burst from behind them, everyone's going to look hot. Everyone. So that, that's like it, but you have to then overexpose. So their space is going to be all blown out. You know what I mean? Um, but that's, yeah, if you're sort of struggling with, a, you know, somebody, 
because it can take a bit of back and forth. And like, let's try this. And then you burn, let's try this. And then you're like, all right, let's fall back on backlight. And then you bur- get the light bursting from behind them and everyone swoons. They're like, oh my God, I love that. It, it's almost like clockwork. They look through the proofs and then they're like, oh, that one. You're like, yeah, backlight, you know. So yeah, yeah that's a um, that's a tip. <laughs> you mentioned that um, you move the model around. Is it different? So obviously in natural light, you need to move your model around more to try and get the lighting as opposed to if you're in a studio would you move the lighting around or do you still move the model around inside the studio as well well no studios like we call like location photography if you're just using ambient natural light that's not controlled or as a studio you you control it so you probably would just have the backdrop and then you move the lights around the model whereas the daytime is really and if you want continuity then the if the client wants continuity then you're going to struggle and that's what you kind of as you get into it you've got to convince them because we really want to do it on a beach and then you say, all right, well, we're going to have to take lights to the beach, that same look. And then they're like, oh, but well, that's going to cost how much more, you know? Yeah. So what's your what's your process then around setting up for light? Do you sort of sit there and look at the location in the first place and say, I'm going to need this, this and this? Or do you have like yeah. a, a go-to kit that's on you all the time or? Yeah, well, I've got, you know, you've got your, if it's prof- like you do a recce, so you'll go and look at the space. You know, studios are massive for a reason. It's because you can get the lights wide and high. Like the more you pull the light back, the broader the the light spill. And then, you know, so that's why they look like an airport when you, you know, studios aren't known for being cosy. But then you might be on location and it's like a tiny little low ceiling. So you kind of got to then problem solve. So it's why a professional photo shoot will be like, you know, they go, it took us four days to get six shots or something like, you know, and people can't believe it. It's like, you have no idea that tweaking you'll do you know to really to really get it and put in lots of different lights a lot of the time you look at a photo and you just glance at it and you go that's a great shot that's very professional it's because there's 10 people putting 10 lights in there but I honestly will just say you know you've got a flash on your camera so that's like direct flash going off in their face and that's a look in itself but (laughs) what if you've got and nowadays it's really easy to get a trick a little trigger that you put on where the flash goes so you've got an interchange you take it off and just get a stand and put that flash to the side and then you just start so it's still a little flash gun not a big professional flash but then you just move it to the side and get it and then you get a soft box so it's just a bit softer and I know heaps of people that started and then you can carry it around in your backpack and yeah you have to get it all all out and but even just getting a reflector, like they're 20 bucks for a cheapie and then, you know, just bouncing a bit of light, game changer. If you just want to sort of go a bit further, you don't even have to have crazy lenses and, and whatnot. Just go and get a um, get a flecky. A, like, I mean, there's gold and silver and then a mix of gold and silver or white. I don't know. I used gold when I was starting out. Everything had like a really strong gold face. So I've never used it since. You know how you, it's like getting drunk for the first time on something you never want to drink again. I never will use gold again. Everything had gold in the beginning. <laughs> but um, I've learned to step back and just do a little bit of bounce, you know, like not crazy up in your face gold. So just a little thing like that will make a huge difference. I heard you also mentioned before that um, everyone at the moment is getting a gel, which is really interesting. Obviously, that's a, a big technique is using transparency, so colour filters over your lenses, um, obviously polarising lenses as well and uh, glass that you can add to your lenses. First of all, what colours is everybody getting? Are they getting just the, the rainbow or is there a specific um, colour that you're using at the moment which you're looking for a particular effect? Colour in cameras work in four colours. So there's um, yellow and blue and then cyan and magenta. And so if you kind of keep in with those four colours, 
um, which is what all the kind of gels. I mean, if I like speaking of color, if I kind of put blue in, I'm not. I'm big on warm colors, so yellow and pink and red. But they even like I'm talking. Each little film is different shades of extremes. You can do really subtle stuff. You can do full on bright red, you know. And of course, what setting you've got your camera on will determine how it comes out. So, look, I, in a professional sense, like if I did a test shoot, which is where we collaborate and just do something creative, because you've got to remember too, like when you turn your hobby into a profession, you can lose. You're shooting for other people. You're at the mercy of their brief and guidelines and whatnot. So sometimes you've got to go back to your hobby. I try and do four test shoots a year, which is just far out, crazy you know, anything like me and a makeup artist, we're collaborating on doing like flower freckles. So she's actually done dried pressed flowers and we're just doing this face and making freckles, which wow. are real flowers, you know, like just something so creative. And then I can put 20 different colored gels in there if I want. But usually with client work, you might just put a subtle, you know, yellow tint on the background, for example. You don't go like, here's the rainbow. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, look, you know, if you build a good rapport and they trust you, then they'll and I always do, if it's like something you're trying, do one with, one without, and then do the one with so yeah. you can use it for your folio, even better. <laughs> so then they'll love that one. You know, if you want to invest in a polarizer mm. or, a, or an ND filter, like a neutral density filter, that's where you're sort of, you know, it's like the tripod. You're adding to your kit. You're getting a macro lens. You, you're starting to double in, you know, wide angles or landscapes. And getting filters is, is another part of experimenting and being creative if it's a really really sunny day and you want to create that shallow depth of field where it's really fuzzy in the background I mean I'd have to go back and tell you how it works so that you know there's three ways to let light into the camera the aperture which is like your iris which is mm -hmm. it expands and contracts with the light so you let less in or more in and then you've got the shutter speed which is like a tap which you know the, the more light you let in like this the tap on and off yeah. or you know, and then the ISO, which is like the freckles on your skin, how much, how sensitive is your skin? So to get the shallow depth of field, the fuzzy background, it's having the aperture really, really wide open. Mm -hmm. but you can't do that in bright, bright sunlight. The camera won't let it because it's going, oh, too much light, you know. Yeah. So you put on what's called an ND filter or a neutral density filter, which just makes everything darker. And there's all different strengths you can get, but it's a good little, and it's affordable. Yeah. Whereas a polarizer is not cheap, but an ND filter, you can go out in the bright sunlight and then shut the aperture right, oh, sorry, open the aperture right up because you've made the view, the scene darker. Mm -hmm. And then you can get like a beautiful sunny day, but with a fuzzy background, which is impossible otherwise. Yeah. A polarizer, I mean, oh, we're going old school here and a lot of this, a lot of stuff is done in post these days, but when you didn't have that, you'd put on a gradation filter so when the sky is really really bright so the camera's light meter won't balance it'll just go right I see bright. whatever's taking up most of the frame the internal light meter will compensate for that so if it's really really bright the shadows will be black so if you look at like Ansel Adams who is like the god of tonal range he can get the sky completely perfectly exposed and then the shadows have details as well um, and that's like hashtag goal but mm. In, there's a filter called the gradation filter, which will make the sky dark. So it just gradates the gradation down to, to just normal clear glass. And then the, the mountain, the scene, the whatever the landscape you're shooting will be properly exposed. So it balances it out. But, you know, these days you can stitch, like you just take one of the sky, one of the ground, expose perfectly, and then mash them together in Photoshop. And yeah, there's so many tricks these <laughs> days. 
but a polarizer now that's you know you're going to be looking at 500 bucks or so but wow it's like uh, oh yeah i've I've, had, I've lost so many <laughs> you know because you, you sort of in the moment you take it off but a polarizer will because light is bursting all over the place zigzagging like all the photons a polarizer will streamline them into a point and so there'll be no glare the sky will be perfect like it's very dramatic and once you've got a polarizer like everyone will get polarizer for a while like the gels you know you'll just love it but yeah there's yeah there's lots of little add-ons you can get that will modify modify the look and then that's how you might evolve your look you might go oh my god i love the shallow depth of field that's what i'm going for you know well that kind of brings us to the end Thank you so much. It's been absolutely amazing talking to you. Thank you. It's been good to be here. I I really, yeah, want to inspire people to to be creative, you know, like if you're in a full-time job and you're not feeling satisfied or you've got a a side hustle, you know, and you're thinking about developing it and, you know, I just want people to know that they can do it. It's not, it is work, like it is extra work. You've got to be passionate. But yeah, I I would say just keep practicing and evolving and learning and learning from other people, like do the Boundary course, like you know, even like if you really want to start getting serious, do get the business cards and start telling people, yeah, just do do what you love, and the money will come, you know, yeah. eventually. And that's the end of another episode. It was great having Lizzie on the podcast, and great to hear from a professional at the top of their game right now. Understanding light and how to manipulate it is truly one of the most important aspects of photography, and one you should be practicing every day in all conditions. Especially, have a go in the morning and late afternoon, not just in the golden hour, but try those few minutes just prior to sunup and just after sundown for some spectacular soft light results. Next episode, we'll be talking about working in the studio and setting up lighting diagrams. Also, don't forget to check out Lizzie's website, elizabethallnut.com.au and Instagram, elizabethallnutphotographer. Catch you next time and bye for now. Some Context Please is produced by Foundry and executive produced by me, Adam Greve. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can find Foundry on Instagram at MyFoundryLife. Foundry is an Australian creative school designed to bridge the gap between education and industry. We work with top creative leaders from all creative disciplines to design courses that help you find your passion and turn it into your career. To find out more about Foundry's current courses and upcoming intakes, visit foundry.com.au.